It's a great privilege for, for us to be here amongst you. As you've been told, we are coming from Ghana, which is in the west coast of Africa. We are part of the, the Apostolic Church. And I believe that there are many things that bring us together. You have a very beautiful country. And if you don't know how beautiful it is, then let's, let's make an exchange. You go to where we are coming from and we, we get to stay here. Because we take a lot of things for granted. We don't know what we have till we lose it. That I must say you are blessed. And especially to be where you are. I also want to say that you are blessed for being here this morning. Because it's not everyone who wanted to be here who is here. There are some people in certain places who wish they could be in church, but they are not in church. I therefore want you just to bow down your head and thank God for life. Thank God for being here. Thank God that you can hear. Thank God that you can see. We bless your name, Father. We give you praise for this day. We are gathered in your presence, Lord. We are not a church without you. We are only a church because you are here. We pray that you will have your way amongst us. We pray that you will speak to us. We pray that you will touch us where we need to be touched, O oh Lord. We pray that your name alone will be glorified in our lives. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. And let me also thank you all for accepting us in, in your midst. And some of you have been very kind to us, driving us from Queenstown to this place. It was, it was a very beautiful sight. They didn't only drive us, but they took us around many places to see how beautiful this place is. We thank the leadership of this church also for all they've done for us and for giving us such an opportunity. This morning, I just want to talk about what I have titled, Who is God in Your World? Who is God in Your World? And if God gives us grace and we meet later this afternoon, then I'll talk about who is God in His World? But now I want Your World, not, not, not God's World. We read in Hebrews 11, 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. Him there is God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is. The very simple explanation we give to that statement, that whoever comes to God must know that God exists. But you see, just knowing that God exists is not going to please God. The devil knows that God exists. The demons know that God exists. 
Yet they do not please God. So just knowing that he exists will not please him. It's not enough. So that statement that the one who comes to him must believe that he is goes beyond just knowing that he exists. We need to know that he is God. The statement he is is not just about the fact that he exists, but he talks about who he is. And this morning, I want us to recognize that God is God. God is God. God is who he says he is. How many of us here are married? Let me just see your hand. Okay, quite a lot. God, God bless you. God bless you. For being married and staying married. <laughs> but you see, if you, if you don't understand marriage, it becomes like a prison. It becomes a difficult thing for you to live in. But if you understand what marriage is, you'll be able to live happily in your marriage as they normally write. Some people do not know who a spouse is, and yet they jump into marriage. I have seen men who got married and wanted their lives to be the same. I think Yes. And I think that I'm one of those men. <laughs> I'm someone who wants to do everything myself. I'm very, I want to live like an individual. Yet I chose to get married. <laughs> it was after marriage that I realized that when you bring a woman into your life, Everything changes. It's like the way we have arranged these chairs here. If you bring a woman in, the whole arrangement must change. So a woman is not just a small chair. She's a very big piece of furniture. So when you bring her in, every other thing must change. No, you can't get married to a woman and put her in a small corner. She must occupy the most prominent place. She must be seen. It's the same way we deal with God. We come in saying, God, we want you in our lives, but we don't seem to understand what we are saying. We think that God comes in and everything remains the same. No. Some of us just want to receive God because we need help. And we want God to come in as a helper. So we keep God in the corner. God, you are my helper. No, no. When God comes in, he comes in as God. God does not come in to make your life better. No. He gives you a new life. So those who just want a better life go somewhere else. That's why Jesus didn't call those who just want an improvement. 
He called those who were fed up with the old and were ready for the new. So he said, come if you are tired. Come if your neck is at breaking point. Come if you can't carry this weight anymore. And when you come, I will give you rest. I will take the old and give you the new. So when we come to God, we don't come for an improvement. We come for a new life. For he says, old things will pass away and all things will become new. God is almighty. And God will not change who he is for us. I wish I could say this so many times. Because we, we seem to want God the way we think he is. But God will not change who he is just for us. Because if he should ever change, he will cease to be God. So we need to know that he's the almighty. And we either get him in as God, or else what we will have in our lives that we will be thinking is God will be no God at all. In this generation, a lot of people, we worship the God of our minds. We seem to have created a certain kind of God. And I want to say that God is an idol created by the mind of men. Another God who made the heavens and the earth. He will not change because he cannot change. And that is why he calls himself, I am. He's not changing. He also said, I am the Lord, I change not. So let's accept the fact that nothing can change God. Though he's unchanging, how you see him in your world is going to affect how you will experience him in your life. Though God is unchanging, how you see him in your world, I'm not talking about the world, but your world, your small world that you have created for yourself. How you see God in that world is going to affect how you experience him in your life. So my question again is, who is God in your world? And I want us all to learn from someone we, we can easily learn from because he was as human as we are. He had his faults as we also do. I'm talking about King David in the Bible. And I want us to read what he said in Psalm 23, which is a very popular psalm, and everyone is very conversant with that. And we stay just with the first one. We learn in who God was in King David's world so that we can learn from him and see who we want God to be in our world. He said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. 
There's a lot we can say about this statement, but I want to dwell on just a little aspect of it for the sake of time. He is my shepherd. He was trying to say that God is primary to his life. God is not secondary, no. God is primary to his life. God is the owner of his life because the shepherd owns the sheep. And he's not just saying he's primary to him and he owns him, but he's saying also not just that I am his, but what I like about this is that he's also saying that he's mine. And that's where I want to go this morning. We are not just his, but he is ours. It's, it's, it's that kind of personal relationship with God. Some of us, we've pushed God so far away that we only remember him when we are in need. So long as everything is going all right, God is so far away. That when we are in trouble, then Jesus, where are you? No. We are not only his, but he belongs to us too. So he says, the Lord, he is mine. He is my shepherd. That personal relationship. Let me just say something little there about personal relationship. Jesus called us to himself. He didn't call us to church. That will come again. Jesus called us to himself. He didn't call us to church. Church is important. Church is great because church is going to make sure we get closer to God. Church is going to disciple us to be great children of God. Church is a community where we strengthen each other. Church is a community where the gifts of ministry are manifest. And they minister to the needs of God's children. But God never called us to church. He called us to himself. And sometimes, if you're not careful, the organization will swallow the purpose. Some of us come to church and we get lost in church. And we get lost in church activities. And we have no personal relationship with Jesus. Jesus called us to himself. If I should ask you to come now, you rise up and walk straight to me. The fact that I have said come, I have shown you where to come to. But if I say go now, you will be confused. You have to ask me where. But if I say come, I have shown you the destination. But because Jesus didn't want us to make any mistake, he didn't just say come. He made it double sure so that no one gets an excuse and no one gets confused. He says come unto me. He made it double sure. He wants us to have this personal relationship with him. He wants us to know him. He wants us to walk with him. And that is what Christianity is about. You come to Jesus. He saves you. He makes you a child of God. And after that, it's your duty to walk with him. So he says, 
Take my yoke upon you. He's trying to say, link yourself to me and do what? Learn. Learn. That's all we do till we die. We learn. Learn of me. He didn't only come to die to save us. He came to show us how to live as victorious children of God. Because Adam failed to do it. So he came to show us how to do it. So he lived. And he became victorious. Not using his powers as the son of God. But by using his privileges as the son of man. Unfortunately, we can't go into this. But you can do what he did. That's why he expects us to be victorious as he was. It would be unfair for me to say, do what I did when you don't have what I have. Are you here with me? So if Jesus is saying that he expects us to overcome as he overcame, he's trying to tell us that the resources that were available to him are available to us. Are you here with me? So he called us to himself. That's what sent me all around and I'm back again. But David was saying that the Lord is my shepherd. I belong to him and he belongs to me. And because of this, I shall not want. I will not lack any good thing in my life. One way we look at this, and that's what some of the translations put it, is that I will have all I need. And when we close our eyes, we see ourselves in the midst of abundant supplies. All you need is around you because the Lord is your shepherd. Today, I want us to look at it a little differently. In saying that he's my shepherd, so I shall not lack or I shall not want. Another way we can look at it is that because he's my shepherd, having him means I have it all. In the sense that whatever I lack is not significant because he is all. I need. And this is the button I want to push and I'll explain why. Because a lot of us do not understand this. A lot of things shake our world. A lot of things move us. A lot of worry and anxiety and burdens and pains confront us in life. Because we don't know who Jesus is. And we haven't placed him where we should place him. If something should happen to your life. That makes you ever feel that life is not worth living anymore. When you still believe you are a Christian. Then there's something wrong. Are you here with me? If you lose everything you have, 
and you still have Jesus, that should be enough. He must fill your life. Having him must make our life significant. If we lose all else, and Jesus is still present, we should be able to smile and say, it is well. But you see, a lot of us come only for the help of God to get certain things. So when we lose those things, then our world falls apart. And that is wrong. He means he is not the God he's supposed to be in our world. He's not that big enough in our world to consume us. We don't realize that with him, we have it all. What we should fear to lose in life is to lose Jesus. Any other thing can choose to go. When you bring yourself to that place in faith, nothing can shake you. Nothing. Nothing can ever shake you if you bring yourself to that place. If you make Jesus primary in your life. If you make him the most significant being in your life. I'm not saying anyone's marriage should fall apart. But some people can see life ahead of them if their marriage falls apart. It means their life is broken forever. Some people can face it when they lose their jobs. Some people can face it when they lose their property. Some people can face it when they lose their relationships. I'm not saying those things should happen to us, but the way we feel, the way those things affect us, that's a clear indication that Jesus is not who he's supposed to be in our world. If he is who he should be, then these things will not move us. In saying, I shall not want, David is saying that he alone matters. In saying, I shall not want, he's saying that he alone satisfies. He's the true satisfaction for my life. And you get these things as you relate with him. And this is not rocket science. He has asked us to come to him. He wants to relate to us. So it's something we should be able to do. In saying, I shall not want, he is saying that he is sufficient for me. He completes my life. I don't need anyone else to make me feel complete. The sheep does not need to know where the next meal is going to come from. All the sheep needs to know is that the shepherd is here. It takes away worry. His presence means all is gain. You know, 
during the time of Moses. When he was asked to apportion the land, which was actually effected in the time of Joshua, one tribe was separated, the tribe of Levi, that they will have no inheritance. All the other tribes will have their inheritance of land. But the Levites will have no inheritance. And there's one statement made about them that I loved so much. He told the Levites that as for you, I am your inheritance. Oh, what a joy. What a joy. When you become his child, he is your inheritance. So his presence means all is gain. And his absence means all is lost. So what should make us feel bad in life is if we come to a point where we believe we have lost our relationship with Jesus. Then we can say we are really in bad shape. Other than that, no matter what happens, we are in good shape. It is well with us. And it is well with our souls. If he is that primary to us, then we will not feel deficient. If all else is lost while he is still present. And you know, one day David went to battle. But they didn't allow him to fight. They asked him to go back. By the time he got back, Some people had come and ransacked all their property, all their wives, and all their children away. This was way before he became king. He wasn't king yet, but he was anointed. Praise God. How many people are anointed in this place? Some people are waiting to be king before they realize they are anointed. If you, if, you, if you are a child of God, the anointing of God is upon your life. And I want you to know that. The enemy are taking everything away. And David at that time had about 400 soldiers with him. And their wives and their children have also been taken away. And they, they felt so disturbed. That they all wept. Men wept like women. And after weeping, then they said they were going to stone David. Because they were following him. He was their leader. So he's the cause of all this misfortune. How will you feel like in such a situation? Strong soldiers ready to stone you. But you are all in the same situation. You have all lost your wives. You have lost your children. You have lost your property. You are in the same situation with them. But now they have isolated you as their leader. And they want to punish you for the misfortune. How would you have felt like? With all this loss. 
And after crying his head off, the Bible said something that and David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He's trying to say, if I have lost everything, I haven't lost God yet. And if God is here, then life is here. Life is possible. It was out of this faith that David was able to recover every single thing they lost. So no matter what you've lost in life, if Jesus is still with you, you have it all. And this is where I'm going to. And so if you are there, my message is done. This is why he said that even when I walk through that valley, that fearful valley of the shadow of death, when everything around me looks bad, when death is staring at me in the face, I still will not fear. I will not fear. I choose not to fear for one reason. The shepherd is here. If the shepherd is around, the sheep does not fight. The shepherd protects the sheep. I will fear no evil for one reason thou art with me. You are with me, Lord. And if you are here, I feel protected. So if we make him who he should be in our lives, fear will run out of that door. If we make him that significant, he will show himself strong on our behalf. God is so powerful, but he can't be that powerful in our lives except we allow him to be who he is because he will not change for us. I will fear no evil. Coming back to the statement that he is mine. I want each of us here to know that you're so special to God. Let me hear you say, I'm special. No, don't say to me, say to yourself, I'm special. Do you feel special? Do you? You can see you're so different from the person sitting beside you. And in this whole world, there is no one exactly like you. God made you different because you're special to him. And you know, sometimes people want to use our differences as our weak points. No. What makes us special is in how different we are. Because God made us so. Are you here with me? You are so special to God. He chose to include you by creating you. He chose to save you by shedding the blood of his son Jesus. He's not ashamed of your past. And I love this. Because he believes in and he celebrates your future. 
You know, some of us, we are even ashamed of our own past. We are ashamed of ourselves. But God is not ashamed of us. Because he believes in your future. He believes in his plans for you. And he knows your true value. It's only God who knows your true value because he knows what he has placed inside of you. Others might choose not to respect you, but at least you have to respect yourself. Others might put a low value on you, but God values you. So let God be true and let all men be liars. If no one chooses to see something good in you, you must see something good in yourself because you are his. He made you. He so loves you that he wants to have a personal relationship with you. Your value is not in the things and people around you. I love this. Your value is not in the things or the people around you, but the God inside of you. Because sometimes you might value yourself with things around you. You, you might feel valuable if you are related to very respectable guys and dignitaries in, in society. And you think that they validate you. No. Your value is not in the people around you. Your value is not in the things you have. Your value is in the God who is inside of you. So he says in 1 John 4, 4, Ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. It's only when we make Jesus so sure in our lives. It's only when we make him God. When we make him so significant that every other thing pales into insignificance. It's only then that we can use the word surely. Because let me explain, nothing is sure but God. Nothing is sure but God. Your education is not sure. Your wealth is not sure. Your possessions aren't sure. Your relations aren't sure. Nothing in this life is sure except God. So we can only be sure when we are standing firmly on the foundation of God. So it's only if God is your all in all, then you can be sure because he has given a promise that he will never leave you nor forsake you. You can choose to walk away. But he will not leave you, nor forsake you. I remember Abraham going aside to have a child because he thought he'd been waiting for too long and 
didn't know what was going to happen. But after some time, God came back to him and said, as for me, my covenant is still with you. You might have broken your part of it, but my covenant is still with you. Sometimes children of God will go around and, and sin and run away from God and they think God has rejected them. No, he says his covenant is still with you. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So it is only when we make him that significant in our lives that we can use the words that David used, that surely. He said, surely, Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord. I will be his sheep. I will make sure I'm always where he is. The Lord will take care of me. He's the most significant person in my life. That is why his goodness and his mercy shall follow me. So let me ask you, who is God in your world? Someone you just want to help you? Or someone you belong to? Someone who really owns you and can choose to do whatever he wants with your life? Someone who wants to glorify his name in your life. Is he just your helper? Or he is your God? Shall we please rise? If you read Revelations chapter 3, the verse 20. A letter that is written to a church. Yet this is what Jesus is saying. He said, behold, I stand at the door and knock. It's a bit disturbing. For Jesus to still be standing at the door of the hearts of men, who believe they are his children and who are in church and he still says I'm knocking you know I want to come in as God I won't come in on any other terms I come in on my own terms I come in as the owner I come in as the shepherd I come in as the creator I come in as a sovereign God Will you accept me on those terms? Who is Jesus to you? With your eyes closed, I just want you to begin thinking about what you have to shift. What concept of yours has to change? Jesus is real. Jesus is real to us. Is there anything in your life that matters more than him? 
Oh, that we might love him back as he loves us. Just begin to talk to him this moment. The Lord, let me see you. Let me know you more. I want you to be God in my life, oh Lord. If I have you, I have it all. Nothing else should matter if you are present, Lord. Nothing else should, nothing else should. Nothing else should, oh Lord. Nothing else should.